4: It's the Kevin Sheehan Show here on the Team 980. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Kevin out at jury duty this morning. So myself and the great day filling in uh, for Kevin Sheehan. Right now, I want to go out to the BetQL guest hotline is where we find our pal Jordan Dejani, who covers the National Football League for CBS Sports. Make sure you give him a follow on the old X app at Jordan Dejani. That is J-O-R-D-A-N-D-A-J-A-N-I. Jordan, what's going on, my man? How are you? What's going
5: on, my friends? I'm doing well. Hope you guys are doing well as well. Appreciate you having me on the show this
4: morning. Yes, sir. Appreciate you giving us some time, my man. I'm doing phenomenal, Jordan, because Peter King, longtime NFL columnist and his column, has been the nugget that I've been waiting for all offseason, baby. I'm one of the dudes that are championing for Washington to do whatever it takes to go up and acquire USC's Caleb Williams. Peter projecting that... Uh, The Bears will trade down one pick with the Commanders and then trade down six spots with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, First of all, quick thoughts from you on Peter King and his greatness. And then uh, what do you think about the, the move ultimately? Yeah,
5: I mean, Peter King is a legend, trailblazer, someone who really set the standard of what sports journalism is. So he's definitely going to be missed. And who knows, maybe he's not done writing. I'm sure he'll come back and do some columns uh, throughout the the seasons. But an absolute legend, no doubt about that. But, yeah, I mean, let's talk about this hypothetical trade. I mean, this may be the main headline from this column. And to be honest with you, I love Caleb Williams. I think he's the number one quarterback in this class. But – when it came to Washington um, and their chances of acquiring him i i don't I don't know. I never really gave it that much thought, just because I thought the compensation that Washington or whatever quarterback needy team would have to get to Chicago. Would make it almost not worth it. It would be a price yeah. that I would not pay. So the debate really to me has come down to Jay Daniels and Drake May, but all of a sudden Peter King, he's given us legitimate compensation here. He's saying a yeah. second round pick, the number two overall pick, and, and a future first round pick. If that's all it takes, then I'm joining your camp, okay? I'm saying <laughs> yes, Washington should go out there and absolutely make that deal, take Caleb Williams, and let's start over for the future. So. I, I I don't think that compensation is correct, to be honest with you. I yeah. think that Chicago has, you know, last year they made the decision to trade out of the top spot. It ended up being a great decision because Bryce Young didn't pan out immediately. This time around, ultimately, I think the Bears keep that number one overall pick. I think they take Caleb Williams. But you can never rule out a potential trade. If there's a team out there that's maybe not the Washington Commanders, that wants to offer them a package of first round picks, mid round picks and a wide receiver, similar to the deal that they accepted last Mm -hmm. year, then it's always possible. But if I had to put my money down right now, I'm saying that Chicago is going to stick at number one overall.
0: So obviously if they stick at number one overall, that means they're trading Justin Fields. Where do you stand on on fields? Do you still think he's a, at least a decent starter in this league, or do you think his next job is going to be a backup?
5: Denton, what's going on, man? It's good to hear your voice. I'll tell you this, uh, I, I'm i actually a Justin Fields fan, and I feel like it's been kind of hard to find people like me who think Justin Fields has legitimate potential as a NFL starting quarterback. I mean, the dude received an MVP vote two seasons ago because of what he accomplished on the ground. Now, he's not polished <laughs> as a thrower downfield, um, but I think that's a work in progress, and I think ultimately he can get to where he wants to go. Um, but here's the thing, if you're giving me the number one overall pick and the option between Caleb Williams and Justin Fields, I'm probably going to take Caleb Williams. So I think Justin Fields is going to be traded elsewhere. I would love to see him in a couple different places. One would be with the Atlanta Falcons. I know shades of Michael Vick, maybe that's a little bit too easy. But Atlanta's going over a shift in offensive identity. Um, and they've got several pieces, whether that's Algier, whether that's Bijan John Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, guys that can make life easier for a quarterback. So I think Justin Fields would be a good fit there. Another kind of sneaky spot is mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh Steelers. We don't know exactly what this team's going to do on the quarterback front. Are they going to run it back with Kenny Pickett? Are they going to draft someone? Are they going to acquire Ryan Tannehill? I don't know. But what makes this an interesting spot for Justin Fields, in my opinion, is the hire they made at offensive coordinator with Arthur Smith. Yeah. And I know it's a little bit of a polarizing hire, but there's one thing that Arthur Smith can do, and that's scheme for the run. He had a good rushing attack in Atlanta. He helped Derrick Henry have his best two seasons of his NFL career um, during his two years in Tennessee as the OC. With Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, and then you throw Justin Fields into the mix, who has a legitimate wide receiver one in, in George Pickens, I think that'd be an intriguing landing spot as well.
4: Could you imagine the AFC trying to stop the combo of Najee Harris and Justin Fields? <laughs> Just a super physical rushing attack, man. That would be uh, that would be something. I want to go back to the NFC East here for a second. Actually, before we do that, I want to get your thoughts on what we were talking about in the last segment. T. Higgins franchised by the Cincinnati Bengals. Me and Detton seem to disagree on this one a little bit. So the report is Jordan coming out from Ari merov of the thirty third team saying that uh, if the Bengals choose to move on from T. Higgins via the trade, which seems more likely now with the increased salary cap, they would get a late first or an early two for his uh, in exchange for his services. If you are Cincinnati, are you choosing to pull the trigger on that deal because they're kind of getting punished right now, Jordan, for drafting two good wide receivers. If they reset the receiver market this offseason with T. Higgins, do you see them doing the same next year with Jamar Chase? I just think there's there's too much good pass catchers in the room for them.
5: Yeah, I totally agree. And I've been saying this for weeks, actually. I think that the Bengals should trade T. Higgins. That's my stance. I mean, you're right. They are being punished for acquiring two good wideouts, but you also are being punished for having one of the best quarterbacks in the game as well who reset the quarterback market recently. So you look at your future outlook financially, it's going to be tough to reset the wide receiver market twice and continue to pay Joe Burrow the money that he's going to be due in the coming years. And that's why I think that – Instead of letting him walk for free, they decided to tag him, which I think was the smart decision. Mm. But I don't think that I, if, if it was up to me and I could choose what happens, I would be trading T. Higgins and acquiring a late first-round pick or a future first-round pick from a rebuilding team and then go back in the draft and draft another guy who's going to have legitimate starting potential. I mean, this wide receiving class is definitely one of the deeper positions, in my opinion. So it's tough, and I know that T. Higgins is a legitimately good player. but. I mean, let's be reasonable here. How how likely is it that he's actually in the future plans of the Bengals where he's signing a lucrative multi-year extension and going to be in the fold for years to come? It just seems tough. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah.
0: How do you feel about the NFL raising the, the salary cap? Who do you feel like that benefits the most? Because obviously – Tagging T. Higgins, it felt like two weeks ago T. Higgins was gonna walk. So now he could have the possibility so since that he could give it one more run. But is there another team that you look at and say, wow, you know, that extra thirty million dollars really makes their life a lot easier this offseason? Yeah, two
5: hundred and fifty five point four million up from two hundred twenty four point eight million in twenty twenty three, which had previously been a record high. And that's a thirty point six million dollar increase. Phew. That's the largest year to year increase in total money in free agency history. And the NFL said in a statement that this big increase has to do with making up some ground following the COVID year. But also, let's not deny it, the media revenue is booming, right? (laughs) Business is booming on the NFL front. Now, to answer your question, the short answer is everybody. Everybody benefits from having more money in their pocket. But I think that maybe the more overlooked group of teams that we're not talking about when it comes to this salary increase The teams at the bottom of the barrel in terms of their current financial situations, right? The New Orleans Saints, the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, those teams who are very much over the cap right now that have already started to take cost-cutting measures, having that historically large increase when it comes to available monies, it helps those teams that are currently over the cap uh, tremendously, in my opinion.
4: Joined right now on the BetQL guest hotline by Jordan DeJani of CBS Sports uh, he covers the National Football League for them. You can give him a follow on X at Jordan Dijani. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about the NFC East. There's been a, hasn't been a repeat winner in this division since I believe 2002. Uh, Philadelphia obviously has their epic collapse that season. Dallas seems to be, you know, tough right now. Grieving is what I would describe it as after being mollywopped in the wild card round by the Green Bay Packers. I want to take a look at Philadelphia here in particular though. What do you need to see from them this offseason in order to bounce back? Because it kind of feels like them and Dallas are two teams trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, I
5: think that's a good question. And to be honest with you, uh, I think they've already answered the question that I have for them. And I think that their number one goal entering this offseason was to hire two experienced coordinators uh, that could dominate on their sides of the ball. I've been saying for months now that, you know, when it came to the Eagles Super Bowl run, I, I don't think enough credit was given to their coordinators. All yeah. that credit was given to head coach Nick Sirianni instead, who honestly, I'm still trying to figure out if he's a good head coach or not. What does he I'm just do, George? What, what does he do? <laughs> He makes, he makes really fun, funny faces at the yeah. camera, and he has a holdback guy that, that keeps him out of trouble, yeah. right? And, and that Dom bodyguard guy. <laughs> I mean, Shane Steichen I knew was going to be a good head coach. That guy knows how to scheme on the offensive side of the ball, especially when it comes to running that rock. Love Shane Steichen, great hire by the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Gannon I wasn't as sure as or sure on, but I think he's did a pretty solid job in Arizona. He's got a really young staff, and he's someone who knows how to implement the kind of culture that he wants And there was no getting around it. He was one of the best defensive coordinators in the game a couple years ago. Eagles, they lose both of those guys. They coast off of their on-field talent for the first half of the regular season, and then it all falls apart. And now both coordinators are out of their jobs. And, you know, they've gone back to the market and they've gotten Kellen Moore and Big Fangio. We'll see if those additions work out. But that's that was the answer to your question, to be honest with you. I, I wanted them to go out there and find two legitimate leaders at the coordinator positions who could rule that side of the ball. I think that's key for Philly moving forward.
0: As we look at uh, some of the other big-name free agents that are going to be available or maybe not available this offseason, how confident are you that Kirk Cousins stays in Minnesota? Mm.
5: Yeah, that's a good question. And to be honest with you, if I had to put my money down right now, I think that he ends up staying in Minnesota. But how confident am I in that prediction? Not entirely confident because there are people out there that say Kirk Cousins, even though he's, you know, 30-something years old, coming off of a torn Achilles, there are people out there that say he's the number one free agent available in this class, no matter what position, because he plays the quarterback position. So he's going to have the opportunity to go out there and test the market and make some money for himself. But here's the thing when it comes to Kirk Cousins. He always said during his time in Washington that he wanted to be a one-team quarterback, and he ended up uh, – Uh, adjusting that statement to he always wanted to be a two-team quarterback when he signed on with the Minnesota Vikings. So I think that there is some desire from him personally to stay in Minnesota, especially working under someone who has familiarity with like Kevin O'Connell, Washington legend, by the way, uh, Justin Jefferson throwing the football too. Um, And I think that Minnesota, there's mutual interest going both ways there, where they want to bring Kirk Cousins back. And and this Vikings organization understands that they need to go out there and acquire another quarterback, maybe draft one, that's going to sit behind Kirk Cousins for one year or two years and and end up hopefully having a chance to become the face of the franchise. But, man, I really do think that Kirk Cousins um, absolutely has some interest in returning to the Vikings.
4: Yeah, I I think it's one of the most fascinating stories of the offseason, talking about where Kirk Cousins ultimately lands and ends up. The timing of his Achilles injury last year, I felt horrible for him because I think Kirk's just an awesome dude. The the Vikings were sort of on a heater right before he went down, so it'd be fascinating to see where he goes. One surprise landing spot maybe for Kirk that I would really love, the Las Vegas Raiders. What would he do for that organization? Potentially throwing the football to uh, Devontae Adams. I'd be down for that for sure. Another team I want to talk about here, Jordan, the Miami Dolphins. They have a huge Huge decision facing them this offseason as well. Uh, do they reset the quarterback market and extend Tua to Tungavailoa? If it was me, Jordan, based on what we've seen from him in the injury history, I'd be pretty hesitant. I maybe let him play this year out and then see what happens from there. What do you think Miami ultimately does with Tua?
5: Yeah, I actually wrote a column about this for com a couple of months ago, I guess right after their, uh, their, their postseason loss to Kansas yeah. City. I do not think that Miami resets the market with Tua Tungamaloa. I mean, he's under contract for one more year at least, so they're going to mm-hmm. run through that and see what he can accomplish moving forward. Tua is like one of the most fascinating quarterbacks in the NFL to me, in my opinion, because – I, he's a system quarterback, and I, I know that's a, a descriptor that's used negatively, and I, I don't mean it to be negatively because I actually like Tua Tagovailoa. When that Miami offense is hitting on all cylinders, it's impossible to stop with those rhythm timing routes. It's similar to what Brock Purdy's done with the San Francisco 49ers, although I think Brock's been a little bit more effective and consistent in his situation with Kyle Shanahan. So I think Tua Tagovailoa is someone who fits Mike McDaniel's system well, but the question is. How do you handle financially paying a quarterback who's not a game changer? He's not right. Lamar Jackson. Right. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Joe Burrow. He's somebody who runs the system really well. But the longer the dude holds the ball, uh, the more negative things happen. So how do you handle paying a quarterback like that? That's the main question that I'm faced with. And maybe we have more clarity about that after another season of the Tua Tungabalola experience, right? And yeah. th- this has been a really interesting chapter, right? Because mm-hmm. in the first year with Mike McDaniel, he proved that he's good, right? He proved that he's a starting quarterback, at least a top 32 guy. But could he stay healthy? This year, he proved that he can stay healthy. So what's he going to prove in 2024? That's one of the biggest questions I have entering next season.
4: Things get crazy with that,
0: man. I. Phew. How many? So you mentioned Tua not being a that that prototypical game changer. How many game changers do you think there are in the NFL? I could count probably six. Do you think there's more than that? Yeah,
5: Lamar Jackson. Uh, I, I would put Josh Allen in that, in that category. He needs to stop turning the ball over, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pat. <laughs> C.J. Stroud might be on uh, on on superstar alert too. Patrick Mahomes, of course. Um, so I'm already lost count, but yeah, I would say five or six for yeah. sure. And then there's some other guys that are kind of on, like teetering the border, right? Like where do you where do you place Trevor Lawrence? Um, you know, Kirk Cousins back in the day. Where exactly do you place him because he's, he's not passing, exactly yeah. a system quarterback? He, he can make some of those nice throws downfield. How about Matthew Stafford too? One of the more underrated quarterbacks mm-hmm. who absolutely. I mean, he had that Rams offense looking like the greatest show on turf for for spurts <laughs> when they had Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua, yeah. Kyron Williams, and his emergence. So, yeah, I think the quarterback is is such an interesting topic. But I'm with you, Dan. I would say probably five or six guys.
4: Yeah, I think that's what makes the the Tua conversation so fascinating because all three of us could probably agree, right, he's not someone that necessarily elevates his teammates. I get to thinking of possible – I could look at Miami, and there are some sleeper teams like Minnesota, Denver, the Rams potentially that could make a a pretty sizable move up into that top five to get the quarterback of their liking – I could see the Dolphins potentially being, you know, one of those teams that, you know, pony up some future assets to move up into that top five, because what we've seen out of Mike McDaniels' offense is obviously, you know, Tua can do it. But Tua, as we all have said here, isn't a game changer. Imagine a guy like a Jaden Daniels on that Miami Dolphins team with Tyreek Hill and A Chain and Waddle Talk about greatest show on turf, they'd be fast as all out toys. <laughs>
5: And there's no doubt about that. And, hey, man, this hypothetical, if that happened, that would be the main takeaway from the entire 2024 NFL draft. That would be absolutely shocking because the reason is, even if Tua Valola has a career year again in 2024, what do you do with Jaden Daniels, right? Like, you you have to part ways with one of these guys. And you just just traded up to the top three to pick up the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. So it seems like Tua Valola would be on the way out. That'd be one of the main storylines for sure, coming from the 2024 NFL draft, if a team like the Miami Dolphins traded up and and then ended up stealing a J.D. Daniels or a Drake May.
4: It's going to be fascinating, man. The draft coming up, we're about 50-plus days away uh, from night one of the NFL draft. Jordan, will be in conversation with you before then, my man. Appreciate you giving us some time.
5: Absolutely. That was fun. Appreciate you guys.
4: That is Jordan DeJohnny, CBS Sports. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at Jordan Dijani. People are going to think I'm crazy by projecting – a potential to a tongue of trade from Miami, but just when you look at where the Dolphins are right now, and you look at the contract conundrum on their hands, just from a from a health standpoint, and knowing the injury track record the two has had, ain't no way in hell I'm resigning him to a long term extension. It just doesn't make sense to this point. I don't know. He's doing jujitsu. That clearly worked. It, it's, it worked a little bit, but yeah. do you hear what I'm saying on that? I'm not trying to be controversial here when I say it. I could just. Those that Shanahan system, whether it's the the, the Vikings iteration that, that that Kevin O'Connell's running, the, the Shanahan offense in San Francisco, the the McVay offense in L.A. with the Rams, it just doesn't feel like you need you don't need a game changer at quarterback really for for that offense though. Like,
0: no, I do think that offense is formed fit to Tua just because that's kind of the coach that McDaniel is. But at this point, they've played two seasons together, they've been to the playoffs twice, and they're 0-2. Now, Tua didn't play in that first game, but that's also a knock because Tua got hurt. Now, it's a scary situation, but he got hurt. And at a certain point, if you're not winning, the coach is the one that gets hit with that, right? So would you lock up a guy for record money that you don't fully trust without the head coach? The answer that is no.
4: Yeah, it's, it's going to be one of the bigger storylines of this offseason. Another layer to it, too. Dolphins owner Stephen Ross, not the most patient guy in the world. He's getting ready to turn 85 years old this season. I think all a lot of coaches could potentially be on the surprise hot seat this year, Denton, just because of how star-studded the next year's coaching free agent class is going to be. Mike Vrabel, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, those are all dudes that are going to have jobs next year. So we'll see uh, how that ultimately plays out, man. Plenty more to get to. Uh, here on the Kevin Sheehan Show, Kevin out at jury duty. Myself, Denton Day, filling in for him. When we come back, we'll revisit our discussion we had at the top of the show. Longtime NFL columnist Peter King uh, put out his final column this morning for Football Morning in America. And in that column, he predicted the Chicago Bears trading their number one overall pick to the Washington Commanders. When we come back, Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com had some interesting thoughts on who Washington prefers out of this quarterback class. All that more next on the Team 980.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. (laughs) Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
2: You have 47 new voicemails.
1: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last.
6: Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
4: Price and coverage match limited by state law. I feel like I'm about to jump in a mosh pit coming back from break. It's the Kevin and Show. Team 980, we're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. Kevin Sheehan out at jury duty this morning. Someone tweeted uh, Denton at your boy Kevin saying, uh, your, your celebrity status should get you out of jury duty. <laughs> so I'm surprised that Kevin even has to do such things.
0: I'm hoping he has a true jury duty like experience. I don't know if you watch <laughs> that show, but if he has an experience like that, my life will be complete. <laughs> it's a great show if you haven't watched it. I'm about to it. say, I
4: got to tap into it. Is it one of those like A&E bits that you would catch, like court cam and stuff like that? Is it similar to that?
0: It is like the office meets oh, wow. court, okay. but okay. real. But real. So mm-hmm. like paid actors except yeah. for one guy. Okay. So mm-hmm. imagine just a week or so of everything going wrong on purpose. Yeah. Empathetic. And you're the only person that's real.
4: Yeah, that would be a... Uh... That'd be fascinating. That'd be fascinating. I'm a big court cam guy. I have a thing where it's horrible out there. People say that blue light from the TV is horrible. I fall asleep to the TV every night. It's a a bad thing. My Pepco bill suffers as a result of it. I've been falling asleep to court cam recently, and I'm waking up with just all types of things on the TV in the morning. (laughs) You don't
0: have it set to where it goes off after, like, a are you still watching kind
6: of bit?
4: The PlayStation normally helps with that. They put it in the sleep mode, and then once my TV recognizes that the PlayStation is in sleep mode, it then turns itself off. So that's what happened to me last night. Ah, uh, okay. So, interesting bit. Interesting bit. Myself, Lanelle Willingham, in Denton Day, in for Kevin Sheehan. We'll take you up to one o'clock before the long awaited return of the Cockle Doo 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 Man. Chris Russell, the Rooster, back in studio this week. Uh, fresh off his hiatus from the past couple of days last week. Hoffman back in studio. This week as well. Everybody getting geared up for the NFL draft. Uh, One of the big time decisions coming up in this NFL draft starts at the top with Ryan Poles and the Chicago Bears. What will they ultimately do with that number one overall pick? We've been saying it all show long. Peter King, longtime NFL columnist uh, for Football Morning in America, puts out the best Monday column really in the game right now. We're going to have to fill that void somehow here over the next couple of years or so. But Peter in his final column predicting Uh, that the Chicago Bears would trade off of the top pick and they would trade it to Washington. But the moves for Chicago didn't stop there. He also has the Bears trading with the Atlanta Falcons. So two trades for the Bears, and it gets them back something close, I guess, uh, to that historic haul that they ultimately were, were asking for early on in this process. For us here locally, the reason we care about it, if you've been listening to me on overtime or 980 or whatever, you know that I have been standing on the table for Washington to trade up for Caleb Williams if, if is the key thing, if there is an unwavering belief in that building that he is the best quarterback in this class. In this scenario, Washington would be able to uh, go out and trade for Caleb Williams. I want to let you all hear from my guy Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com. He joined me last week on the Chris Russell Show and gave a little bit of insight uh, into Washington's preference at the quarterback position
7: yeah exactly and i know some you know i think the media has it a bit more uh consensus than teams do because i know some teams that like uh daniels and may more than williams wow. and i know some teams that like williams more than those guys so it it varies and some teams uh felt that last year williams deep ball accuracy wasn't as good they didn't like some of the tape, like, say, the Notre Dame game, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think that just given the personality concerns as well, and, you know, prima donna stuff and family things, all that stuff kind of, I think, can bubble up during the draft process as well, where uh, when they do the interviews and all that, you can see teams kind of switch the order of these guys. So uh, I definitely think it's fluid, it's ongoing, uh, and it wouldn't shock me if if the Bears uh, or Washington ended up preferring one of the others. I do think Washington likes uh, Williams and Daniels more than
4: May, but it's still and that's just, early, and, that's just based and, off and of, a lot can change. And that's just based on conversations you've had about. That's Charlie Campbell, WalterFootball.com's lead draft analyst, giving a little bit of a nugget there into as to what Washington uh, prefers there at the quarterback position. A little background on WalterFootball.com and Charlie Campbell, some of their scouts that uh, that they have on their team right now. Uh, were formerly in Washington's building. So when he has nuggets on the commanders, they normally uh, are pretty spot on. In the scenario, uh, first of all, let's break down the preference piece here. I agree, hopefully. (laughs) uh, Or hopefully this is their thought process that they do prefer Williams and Daniels to Drake May because I think while the gap, I will admit, Denton isn't as big between Caleb and Daniels as some would think, I do think the gap is pretty significant. Uh, between Daniels and Williams in comparison to May,
0: I I actually don't. I do. I don't mind Drake May. Like yeah. I'm. I've been very vehemently in favor of Jaden Daniels mm-hmm. and one, I believe it. Two, <laughs> part of that is I just want to be right because I've been yeah, on this case right. since before everybody else was for the season ended. I was <laughs> the needle mover. Um, but I do think that there are there are elements of Drake May that would work. Very, very well in a Cliff Kingsbury style of offense. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that because he's white and went to UNC, they think <laughs> Sam Howell, and Mitch Trubisky. I think he's way better than both of them yeah. were in college. um So I do think there are some benefits to Drake May, but my preference is still Jaden. So I think they're, I think they're very, very close to yeah. one another. Right. So I, I don't think there's nearly as big of a drop off as you seem to, and certainly some other people seem to. I mean. Somebody, somebody said that uh, Drake May shouldn't be a first-round quarterback. Oh. I, don't, I don't believe that. Well, yeah, it's
4: weird, that right? That
0: person also said Caleb Williams wasn't special. Well, so, so yeah. you
4: lose credibility when you say that. I don't know, though. It's fascinating. The big piece about what we talked about with the uh, the, the projected trade in Peter King's column, the, the capital that Washington would have to part with uh, isn't that significant to acquire a guy of like Caleb Williams' talent. So... The hypothetical trade that Peter King uh, spoke about in his column this morning, or wrote about in his column this morning, um, was Washington giving up one of their second-round picks. We would assume pick number 36 is the higher of the two. Uh, and a 2025 first to just move up one spot. That doesn't read historic hall, but if they are going to, again, move back with Atlanta, then Chicago can get all of the capital that they crave. I want to go to the phones on this if you guys want to tap in on this. 301-230-0980. You can tweet at me as well. It's at N-E-L-L underscore BTP and at the Denton Day. If Washington only had to move on from a second-round pick in next year's first to go get Caleb Williams, would it entice you uh, for them to make that move? Would you be okay with them going up and making that move? I mentioned not just Charlie Campbell, uh, but a couple of other pundits out there who cover the National Football League Have a little bit more insight into what Washington's preference is. I want to let you hear now from ESPN's Dan Graziano, someone who uh, wrote in an insider piece a couple of weeks ago that Washington prefers uh, Caleb Williams to the other two quarterbacks. But here is more of Dan Graziano talking about Washington's decision that they'll have to make uh, at the quarterback position.
3: The expectation is that they will address quarterback with that number two pick. Uh, one way or another. Now, there is a sentiment in that commander's building, whether it's from the new ownership or other people there, uh, that they would love for that quarterback to be Caleb Williams, but uh, that might require them to trade up to the Mm. number one pick, and we don't know that the Bears are interested in even listening to offers for that pick yet. So if they can't do that, is it Jaden Daniels, is it Drake May at that number two spot? Obviously, a new coaching staff there. They feel like they have some good pieces around them on offense, whoever the quarterback ends up being. Yeah, look, they'll like we said with the Patriots, if somebody wants to make an offer, obviously the commanders will listen, but it sounds, based on everything I've heard, that that they're interested in staying put or even possibly moving up and taking a quarterback up there.
4: So either way, they're going to be very aggressive in trying to upgrade the quarterback position this offseason, as they should. And I've been you know, on the record, here, even in this program, talking about my kind of change of mentality when it comes to how Sam Howell's last year was viewed. Uh, But either way, I still expect Washington to be rather aggressive going up and trying to get a quarterback. Peter King in his final column uh, of his career going out and saying that he projects the Chicago bears to trade that number one overall pick with the Washington commanders. And for that pick, Washington would give up one of their two second rounders and a 2025 first round pick. If that is the case, Uh, How would it make you feel? 301-230-0980 is the number. What Graziano hit on there, too, was the other scenario that we keep talking about, is let's just say Chicago does stay put with that number one overall pick. And they take Caleb Williams and then leaves Washington to pick between Jaden Daniels and Drake May. Now, another scenario that that I thought about over the weekend was Washington deciding to move back from pick number two. Now, in this scenario, they wouldn't be moving back too far. I would probably only move back one spot. That scenario only comes to fruition if New England has a a preference between Daniels and May and you don't, then you trade with New England and pick up whatever capital it takes to move back one spot and then take the quarterback uh, of your choice. The thing about the quarterback position, though, in this draft in particular, and I know people call me an idiot when I say this. I think he's one of the deeper quarterback classes in recent memory. I think I'm a big Spencer Rattler fan. I think he's one of the cats that are going to come in and have a Russell Wilson-like uh, ascension right away. Um, I'm a big Bo Nix fan as well. I love the athletic adversity that he's had to go through in his collegiate career. I'm super high on him. I think at the Combine, um, the kid Michael Pratt of Tulane is going to really grow on a lot of people. He, he's a guy that can really get in there and, play in pretty much any system. He's got that Shanahan type quarterback build. Uh, I love him. J.J. McCarthy is a guy that's really seen his stock increase here over the past month or so. One thing that's been said, though, here recently, and this was written by Albert Breer and was it Albert Breer and Jim Nagy uh, had a piece that they put out this morning in the MMQB and they went through. You know, pretty much every prospect in the 2024 draft class, one thing that you're hearing on the Jaden Daniels front is that NFL talent evaluators, hell of a lot higher on Jaden Daniels than some of the casual media members out there. So that is fascinating. And I'm also a Jaden Daniels guy. I just feel like if you feel Caleb is the best quarterback in the class, you go get him. Because when it comes to quarterback, it's all about fit and whether or not they have success or not. I think Jaden would be a good fit here and would be able to have success, but I don't know. I don't know if his ceiling is what Caleb Williams' ceiling is, and some people may think I'm crazy for that because they look at the running ability of Jaden and say, "Well, if he could, you know, improve as a passer at, at the next level." and continue to make strides like he's done here the past two seasons, his ceiling is ultimately higher. I think Caleb as a runner, and the creativity that he shows out of the pocket is pretty slept on. And, yes, it's the Pac-12. This isn't, you know, the same caliber of athlete that he'll be going against in the NFL. But, Dan, you know it from watching. There are some plays that he makes with his legs that, that are absolutely just, they're sick. I want someone out there to put a giggle reel together, is what I'm calling it, the Caleb Williams. Just his most fascinating plays from the past two seasons. When, when you watch it, you'd probably giggle at it. He's been that damn special. To an
0: extent, though, that's one of the things that has me. If I'm going to mm-hmm. look critically at Caleb, that's one of the things that worries me a little bit. Is yeah. that it felt like this mm-hmm. season, there was a little more leading into the idea of look how Mahomes-like I am mm-hmm. than was necessary. So, like, when you hear guys say he doesn't play on schedule well, right? Because mm-hmm. I've heard that say it a couple of times. That's kind of like a nice way of saying that. <laughs> he tried a little bit to do a, a little too much right. Mahomes, which it worked. Like, he's going to be the number one overall pick. But is that something where once he gets to the NFL, he's just going to put away? Or is he going to still try and do that? Because we all know that once you get to the NFL, it's a little bit more difficult to do that. Because yeah. if, you, if you put together that giggle reel – Look, you know what we know. What sucked at USC? What? Their defense. Well, You yeah. know what didn't suck at USC? What? Their offensive line. There was not a lot of guys coming close to him in the backfield. Yeah. So he has all this time to dance around, which you're not going to be gifted at the next level, regardless yeah. on who you go to. Even if you have a great offensive line, the skill of the guys in the NFL on the defensive line is just so good. So I am, like, cautious about – sort of those things yeah. that he did this year because it felt like it was a it felt like it was a little heightened
4: yeah i think the evaluation of Caleb coming out and what people are saying about him and i'm not trying to do the direct mahomes comp because mahomes for my money is the greatest quarterback ever and it'd be crazy to put that type of pressure and expectations on him it's it's eerily similar to what you saw from pat and as we both know I wonder if Pat Mahomes turns into Pat Mahomes if Chicago takes him, right? I wonder if Pat Mahomes turns into Pat Mahomes if if the Jets ended up taking him. I think Pat, in, in the ability that he had to sit behind Alex that entire year and clean up some of the footwork issues that he had at Texas Tech and understand how to play more on schedule and maneuver within the pocket, ultimately is why he ended up reaching that ceiling. I think Caleb is in the same boat, as you mentioned, but is he going to be afforded the time that Pat Mahomes was? And if it's here in Washington, I don't know if that'll be the case. New ownership, you're you're lobbying for a new stadium, the fan base is impatient. I don't know if he would be afforded that, and you don't have an Alex Smith here. Now, you can always bring back Jacoby Brissett, but it's not Alex Smith. See what I'm saying? So the Caleb thing is fascinating. I think ultimately he will be able to reach that potential and reach that ceiling. Because while he does have a lot of plays off schedule, there are plays where he does play within the, the confines of the offense and gets the ball out on time. So it's and he about, looks great doing that. Yes, it's about getting him to do that more. That's that's the big thing right now. 301-230-0980 is the number. I want to take your calls uh, on what you think about the possibility of Washington trading up for Caleb Williams. We brought this up because Peter King, longtime NFL columnist, uh, announced his final column this morning for Football Morning in America. And in that final column, Peter King predicting that the Washington Commanders and the Chicago Bears will engage in a trade uh, with the number one and number two overall pick. And with that pick, Washington would end up acquiring uh, USC's Caleb Williams. How would that make you feel? Pretty simple. 301 980 is the number here on the Team 980.
0: Big Sunday for the Maryland Terrapins. They handle Rutgers, sixty-three to forty-six. It was all Maryland right from the jump. Juju Reese had twenty and six for the Terps. They are now two games over five hundred. Still in need of a deep, deep. Potentially Big Tw- uh, Big Ten crown to get into the NCAA tournament. Cavs beat the Wizards 114-105. to 105. Jordan Poole had 31 off the bench. Kyle Kuzma added 27, but the Wizards still in search of that 10th win. Caps host the Senators tonight at cap. One puck drops at seven. Caps winners of three of the last four. They're eight points back of the wild card. You can hear that on our sister station, 106.7 The Fan. And that's what's trending.
4: 3012300980 is the number on the Ace Law listening line. If you're in wreck, Ace Law helps you get a check call 8888 Ace Law. Peter King, longtime NFL columnist, put out his final column today for Football Morning in America and he dropped a pretty significant nugget for the final column of his career allegedly. He predicts that the Chicago Bears will trade the number 1 overall pick not once but twice within the top 10, the first of which is to Washington. uh, And the Bears would get back a second-round pick from Washington in a 2025 first. Then he has the Bears trading from two all the way down to pick number eight with the Atlanta Falcons, where they would then get two more first-round picks. In that scenario, Caleb Williams would probably be a member of the Washington Commanders. Is the Hall too great? And is Caleb the guy that you want to lead this organization moving forward? 301 230 Zero nine eighty is the number. Let's go out to Lap in DC first. What's going on, Lap?
2: Hey, hey, what, what, what's up, Lunal? What's
4: going on, man? How you doing?
2: Man, I uh, I say we should stay where we are. You know, we can entertain whatever you know deals that other teams want to do. But I mean, like a situation where we had, you know, the Joe Burrow draft and the Andrew Luck draft it was, you know, it was obvious that those top teams wasn't given that first-round pickup, so yeah. we got a chance to still have a good competitive quarterback, a young quarterback, someone we could build with, even in the current situation that we're in. You know, we didn't have that luxury in those other drafts, right. so um, I think we should just stay where we are, man, and see what happens, but I I want Jalen Daines, so... I just want to see what
4: happens from lap. lap. I hear what you're saying on thing. that. Lap. I hear what you're saying on that, bro. My thing yeah. is this, right. and you 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 listen to me pretty frequently. if there is an oh, yeah, unwavering you know if there is an unwavering belief in that building, lap that Caleb is the number one consensus quarterback, you give yourself the best chance of solving that position long term by getting the best guy. Now, I've been on the record saying I think Washington is the best landing spot for any of the young quarterbacks when you consider the coaching staff and the weaponry that they'll have to start with. So that that's just my yeah. two cents on it. What
2: what was does that uh that offensive coordinator what which quarterbacks in the draft that he have experience? Is it May and um Caleb, right? Yeah,
4: May and Caleb, yeah. Well technically he hasn't worked with Drake oh, okay. May. He just is familiar. He ran a similar scheme uh, that that made Brandon uh, College. So th- there's that part Oh, now. okay. We'll see what ultimately yeah, happens. I mean, but if – well, if, if if Caleb is a
2: clear advantage above, you know, all the other ones, then okay, yeah. But it, to me, I, I'm i not impressed. Like, I think you could be good with any one of those three. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And it's, it's a load of draft, and you got options.
4: So For sure. I don't Flat- see
2: why we should just – yeah. You know,
4: do that. Yeah, so. we appreciate we'll the call see. as always. Lap we'll I wanted to ask you this because I know you, you don't think there's a sizable gap between Jaden and Caleb. I think I actually may agree with you on this standpoint. I think Jaden is probably in better position to hit the ground running out of all the three because of what he could do with his legs. We know how beneficial that could be for a young quarterback right away, especially if they're behind an offensive line that isn't the best. Yeah, I
0: would uh, I would agree with that. I don't think – Either of them, all three of them, Mm -hmm. will necessarily have a bad time adjusting. I think we're so used to seeing guys come in and not pick things up quickly necessarily, but at least not suck. Yeah, not everybody. (laughs) Not everybody, but I I think most guys can come in and and be good. So
4: so this is from NFL Hall of Famer Kurt Warner talking about uh, how he's been evaluating the quarterback position this draft, And, and Kurt is obviously not a scout, but someone that's got a bevy of experience when it comes to the quarterback position. He said this on this quarterback class, quote, I've now watched four games of Williams, Daniel, May, and Penix. Felt the best two games I've seen are Jaden Daniels versus Mississippi State and Michael Penix versus Oregon in terms of playing QB more down the field, not quicks and screens. Outside of that, it's been very average in my opinion. So tell me – games I'm missing for those four. To clarify, comma, they've all made some great plays in one way or another. I'm simply talking about making good decisions and on-time throws down the field on a consistent basis. So that's from NFL Hall of Famer Kurt Warner talking about four games of each guy that he's watched. He says the best two games he's seen on tape out of Williams, Daniels, May, and Penix is Daniels versus Mississippi State and Pennix versus Oregon. I feel like this quarterback class, maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit too. I think this quarterback class is one of the more deeper ones that we've seen here in recent memory. Michael Penix is another guy that I think this week out in uh, Indianapolis, we could really see his stock go one way or another. He is slated to throw at the combine. I think that's going to do nothing but help him. But we know the medicals for Penix uh, really has been the big thing. 301-230-0980 is the number. Let's go to Rod Landover. What's going on, Rod?
8: Hey, hey, man, how you doing? I'm good, how you doing? I'm good, man. So, look, I'm going to tell you what would be crazy if number, if number one, Jaden Daniels, would go. Yeah. I, I, I think
4: – It wouldn't shock me, though, bro. It I, really I'm wouldn't.
8: Over, it wouldn't shock me. I think Jaden Daniels, man, I, I watched I – watched, I didn't watch a lot of his games in college. I mainly watched a lot of stuff on, you know, YouTube and all that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I like the way he looks, man. He's, he's a taller guy. He's a little slim, but he's a taller guy. I mean, he make plays. I mean, he could throw from the pocket, outside the pocket, accurate. He could run. I, I like him. But I, I personally hope that we stay at number two. I hope that he's there. I hope we get him. And I hope that this, you know, they say offense wins games or whatever. I'm hoping we get another big-time receiver. Whether it's yeah. in the draft or, or free agency, I think McLaren is good. But I think we need another guy, a bigger target, I hope, uh, to go with McLaren, because when you look at some of these younger uh, uh, quarterbacks like your Joe Burrows and all that, man, they got a good receiving core. Right. So, so I I, I would like to see Jaden Daniels get drafted. I would like to, to see us get another big time receiver somehow. pairing with Terry McLaren, and let's ride.
4: Yeah, I'd be down for it, man. Rod, appreciate the call as always, my brother. Yeah, that's we were talking about that earlier, Denton. The idea of well, T Higgins is available. which you part ways with pick number thirty six to acquire him? I mean, I think. With Cliff Kingsbury's offense, and the one thing I would say about that is he was pretty adamant, if you remember Denton at the podium, that this isn't going to be you know, just the air raid offense. They're going to blend some of the, I think, and this is just my prediction, some of the Shanahan run game principles that Anthony Lynn's going to bring, and then Brian Johnson's going to have his stuff that he brings over from Philadelphia as well. But if, the, if it's just the traditional air raid, you're going to need at least four wide receivers. And right now, Washington's only really got two. But are you gonna sign T. Higgins to that massive extension? I would. You got to, and here's why I would do it, Denton. You've got a boatload of cap space, and then Terry McLaurin's only under contract at, for one more year after next year, right? He's a free agent after next season. If I'm um, not mistaken, he only signed a three-year deal. We'll have to let me double check. that. Yeah, but, but I, that would be that, that would be my reason why.
0: If that's the case. I'm not against adding T Higgins, but you'd likely then have to move on from Duran and or John or both, which it seems like most yeah. people would be very open to doing at this point, but I'm anticipating that some of the cap, the 87 million, which mm-hmm. is the uh, accurate number that they have to play with this off season is going to be dedicated to offensive line and a potentially pursuing an edge rusher as well. And if you look at the draft class, the reason why I would be hesitant for T Higgins is because in the draft. The wide receiver class is great. Loaded, yeah. Whereas the edge rushing class is not. So that might be a direction where you have to go with free agency.
4: So I I agree with that wholeheartedly. And then this may be just a philosophical approach moving forward for teams. I could see the receiver position start to be devalued the way that running back was because you can replenish it, you know, so quickly through the draft. So it's interesting. 301-230-0980 is the number. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, more of your calls, then we get into the final hour of power. I want to talk about the court storming that happened this weekend. Should we ban court storming in college athletics more? Next, here on the Team 980. Okay, picture
3: this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.